do that. Okay. We're recording. We're doing it. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what lane nine is and how it got started. And I've already jumped ahead a little bit. Hi, Alexis. Hi. <laughs> I'm Heather. I'm here with Alexis. Do you want to do a little intro for yourself? Sure. Yeah. I'm Alexis. I'm a runner. That's kind of what brought me to Heather and what we're doing here at Lane 9 that we'll get into a little bit in a minute. I've been running since I was in middle school, so mm -hmm. longer now than I haven't been running, which is weird to think about. I ran all through high school and college and then started marathoning afterwards, so that's what I do to this day. And I also work in education, so outside of the Lane 9 stuff, that's what I'm doing. I spend my days at an elementary school. Mm. That's a great intro. You nailed it. It was like sweet and to the point. My name's Heather Kaplan. And yeah, I met Alexis through a grad school assignment that she was working on at the time. We'll talk a little bit about that. And my professional background is in nutrition. I've been a dietitian for almost four, 15 years, which sounds really weird. <laughs> and started running in college as just for fun. I played soccer growing up and I think there is a soccer to endurance running pipeline. So I was in that and started doing longer distances in my twenties. I have three kids, so I haven't done the really long distances in a while, but I have gotten back into like 10 to 13 mile ish. And that feels like a sweet spot for me right now. And we know that some of you listening have been following Lane 9 for seven years, <laughs> which like sounds, on and off. Oh my gosh. It sounds so wild to me. I keep thinking five. I'm just like, oh, we've been doing it about five years. Same. Seven just sounds so much longer for some reason. But yeah, we know that a good chunk of you have been following for seven years and we appreciate your consistency, <laughs> even though we've had a lack of consistency, but we have come back together for a couple of reasons and have really missed being in this space together and being in this community. And so we have a lot of ideas and things that we're excited to get back to. But for those who are new or just recently learned about Lane 9, do you want to give the intro to that? Yeah. So as Heather mentioned, I was in grad school and had an assignment to interview an RD and I randomly found Heather on the internet, Thanks, and, internet. <laughs> and I saw that she was also a runner. And so I reached out to her, was like, Hey, I have this assignment. Can I talk to you? And I remember it really vividly because it was the day after the 2016 election mm -hmm. and things were dreary, both weather outside and within all of our minds and, and hearts. Yeah. It was a tough day. So <laughs> it was nice to go meet Heather and we, we chatted through my assignment and then we got talking about running. And as a lot of you know, that conversation often turns into talking about our different experiences with disordered eating or over exercising injuries all of the things and as a result of that conversation Heather and I were like huh we kind of want to do something about this mm -hmm. and that's kind of the crux of where this all started we just 
wanted to do something. We didn't know what. Yeah. But that's where it started. Yeah. I love that you just got a food delivery <laughs> while you're chatting. Yes. Yes. We love that. We love that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So we, I also like very vividly remember meeting you and we decided at the end of that meeting or maybe in like a follow-up email, like, Hey, we should go for a run together sometime. And I, I feel like you told me that you ran in college and like those two pieces just did not get put together in my brain. (laughs) And we go for a long run. I was like, I am so in over my head right now. (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. I was definitely struggling to keep up on that run, but um, we roped in another friend of ours, Sam, who I knew through running at the time in DC. And Sam and I had talked a little bit about hypothalamic amenorrhea and disordered eating and the running space. And so I was like, oh, I feel like Sam and Alexis need to meet each other and we should all go for a run together. And we did that and then had more coffee and more conversations about like, what could we really do? Like, what's a realistic thing for us to try to focus on here? And those early conversations focused a lot on educating or at least trying to raise awareness within medical and coaching communities, like talking to doctors and nurses and folks who interact with athletes at a younger age, just all of us kind of having wildly different um, experiences within running. I think Sam was doing triathlon. I was doing soccer. You were doing competitive running. So like different sports, but really similar experiences from medical and healthcare professionals who like overlooked some early signs of disordered eating or eating disorders and kind of saw missing periods. as like, Oh, that's what happens when you're active or, you know, no big deal, whatever. So our frustration kind of started in that space of thinking like, there just needs to be more awareness that it's not normal for a young athlete to lose a period once they've gone through puberty. It's not normal for them to not go through puberty until they're in their late teens, you know, things like that. And then we launched a medium website, right? Wasn't it on medium? Yeah, I think so. I think we just each like wrote a blog post talking about ourselves and our own running stories and I'm pretty sure we started it on Medium and we just kind of put it into the world thinking maybe like two or three people would read it, like our closest friends, that kind of thing. But we kind of struck a chord with a lot of people because quickly it became something that other people wanted to share their stories and talk about what they'd experienced. And I don't think that that was really our plan no in but it just kind of that's the route it took and it felt as it started it felt really good and it felt like we were able to build this community of women who had similar stories and we found it just so helpful and so healing to share our own stories Mm -hmm. and we got a lot of feedback from others that they felt the same way and so we kind of continued down that whole rather than going the education route, which now where we are is is something that we really want to plan for and get into alongside of that community aspect. If I look back at some of the things that I've done over the last seven years, there's certainly a common thread of like putting something out there and it resonating with people and they want a place to talk about it more and totally not what we planned for, but that ended up being a big part of what we did for a long time, like sharing essays, 
doing group runs where people could come and chat with others and kind of connect with other people. We did some share your story events in DC when we both lived there. And I feel like it, based on like the limited bandwidth that we all had at the time to keep lane nine going, it felt like that was the thing people really craved the most. And so we gave most of our energy to keeping that up and publishing essays and reaching out to people and keeping the podcast conversations going. And then let's talk a little bit just to keep it transparent about like why, why has it been kind of on and off? Yeah. Well, like you just mentioned, we, we kind of launched this out of nowhere in our free time. I think passion project is like that. It was the truest definition of a passion project, something that We both had full-time jobs. When it launched, I was in grad school and teaching full-time and marathon training. And then soon thereafter, I also started run coaching. You want to share all the things you had going on? (laughs) Let's see, 2017. So I had just started my private practice and a separate podcast. I was pregnant with Casey and then he was born early 2018, um, was doing freelance writing, was doing run coaching and was doing this. (laughs) So all that to say we were a little (laughs) bit busy. And so we decided to take on something else and dedicate tons of time to, and we got really excited and, and invested in it. And that took it further than we expected it to take it. And then I think we just burned a little bright and burned ourselves out a bit. And then obviously, as everybody listening knows, COVID hit. And that was, we were slowly, I think, starting to fade a little bit around that time. Yeah. And then when that did happen, it was just a tough time for everyone. And it felt like a weird time to be like, just engaging in different things. And then both of us moved to Colorado. I got a new job, got married lots of different life changes um, yeah. that just made it challenging to, we let it kind of slowly fade. But I know when we talked this fall, it was like, yeah, we've both been thinking about it regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember at the beginning of 2022, so that was the last time we published a podcast episode on the lane nine feed. And I remember it was like you, Amelia and me, and we did a couple of episodes together and I, like in January of that year, I think our youngest was about six months old. Our middle was 18 months old and our oldest had just turned three. No, had just turned four. Um, and I was like really missing some of the things that I had started with. Like I was kind of missing being plugged into the running community. Cause I hadn't been for a long time between kids and COVID and moving. And I was like, I just really miss doing more active stuff in the running space. Like I wasn't coaching anymore and we didn't really do lane nine anymore. And I wasn't really doing my private practice anymore. I was working primarily on my other business. Um, And I remember telling one of my business coaches at the time, I was like, I just really feel like I need to get back into that space. Like it's missing for me right now. And we tried (laughs) and we realized like, if this isn't built in a way that's sustainable for all of us, it like really can't exist. Like there's only so much of us to give. And I think we realized that pretty quickly when we tried to get it going again. So that's been something 
for me at least that I've tried to be really like slow and mindful of, like, I really want to bring this back. I really, I still think it's such an important piece of the running space. And we still have so much room for improvement in terms of awareness of eating disorders, disordered eating, body dysmorphia, amenorrhea, et cetera. And like, we can't really have an impact if we don't also create a way for this to be sustainable for us. So that's like the question mark right now that we're figuring out. Yeah, it's definitely, we, I think we learned quickly, especially the second time around trying to bring it back that we can't just do this as a little passion project on the side side project. (laughs) We want it to actually be, as you said, impactful um, and go beyond just the, the sharing of the stories and get back to what we had originally said was our mission of educating, spreading awareness, talking to coaches, talking to to athletes and that kind of thing. And I think it's definitely worth noting, and hopefully we'll have a lot more conversations about this in the days, weeks, months to come. Like a lot has come up in this space in the last two years, like a lot of similar organizations that are continuing to further the work of like research into Red S and you know, working with coaches, working with medical staff, working with research communities. So I feel like I'm still getting a feel for like what the landscape looks like now versus when we started. And it's exciting. Like, it's really cool to see all the different things that have popped up over the last couple of years. And I feel like I have some catching up to do. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned too, in 2022, like feeling kind of disconnected from the running space and wanting to get back into that space. And I was in a similar place with having an injury that was on and off and really took me between COVID and then that injury that led to a surgery that led to a six month (laughs) recovery Mm. that led to after that, once I was finally quote unquote running again, because it was like, a really painful 30 second on two minute Mm. walk type situation for a while that it was months before I was going on just like a three mile straight run again. And I felt similarly disconnected. And I think a lot happened. And I wasn't listening to the running podcasts that I Mm. usually listen to, or like, following some of the runners that I love to follow as closely because I was just so disconnected from the sport myself. And so I I agree, like definitely some catching up to do. I think there's been a lot of progress in this space, but also still a lot of room to grow. (laughs) Totally. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing for the past year. Uh, Your surgery was 2021. Or 2022. Um, I always like mix this because <laughs> those up. all blur together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it is 2024 now. So 2021 was my surgery. I think it was 2021. So November of 2021, I had I had been injured on and off going into. I was training for Boston 2020 when COVID happened. It was probably for the best that I did not get to run that race. I was very fit. 
I was in great shape. And so I continued to push. And Mm. despite having learned that lesson over and over again, uh, (laughs) as we do, yeah, I'm in really good shape. And I've put in a lot of work, I'd already gotten up to maybe 20 mile long run. Um, I was really invested. And I was maybe a little bit banged up and probably shouldn't have been um, pushing through. So once COVID did happen, I was able to take some time off and thus began a cycle of like a couple months or a few good weeks of really good running and getting back in shape and feeling good. And then little things popping up again, whether it was in my hip or in my ankle. Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. And I couldn't go mm. to a PT or a doctor because it was like the height oh, of 2020. Yeah. And and so it was just this cycle of me trying to like rest, cross train, get back into it, do little things. Um, and it just wasn't working. And then eventually I was able to get into a doctor. The first doctor I went into told me to like stretch my calves more. Um, <laughs> cool. Thanks. And that, as, as you can imagine, wasn't effective. And then finally, I found a really great PT that I, I still work with, have been working with for like a couple of years now. And working with him, tried to figure out what was going on, did a lot of really specific PT work, strength work, all that kind of stuff. And it just still wasn't getting better. And so I finally, I believe it was October of 2021, after I had literally spent two years like on and off and in pain, saw a surgeon who was very easily convinced that I needed an MRI because I was listing off all of the things that I had tried. So got an MRI and just a couple of days later, he called me and he's like, well, you need surgery if you ever want to run hard again. And it was, I had very much resigned myself to it already. I had somewhat of an idea what I thought was going on. So it was almost a relief because it was one of those things that I had been in pain on and off for so long that I like, was starting to think that I was just like crazy and I should be able to run through it because like I hadn't been diagnosed with anything and it just I've had stress fractures before they're very obvious like yeah. it's very easy to put a boot on like it's it's a linear recovery and I just couldn't figure this thing out so it was kind of a relief to be like this is what's going on so ultimately yeah. I had my interior and anterior ligaments on my ankle repaired and Hagelin's deformity removal. It was a quick surgery, but pretty extensive recovery that took a bit longer than, than anticipated. So then fast forward to last spring, I was finally able to be running consistently again. I was running yeah. about five days a week, had gotten my long run back up to like 10 miles. And then ran the Eugene half last fall, which was my first race back since 20. I I ran the half marathon in February of 2020, the day after the Olympic trials in Atlanta. They had a half? Yeah, so the Atlanta marathon in half was the day after the trials. So that had been my last race before COVID hit. I think a lot of people that was their last race before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that, yeah, that's so surreal to think about. We were around so many people. There were so many of us there. So then I, I ran the Eugene half. And after that felt like I was finally in a place where my body was strong enough to train hard again. And so in July I started 
working with Steph Flippin and Mary Denholm to train for CIM with the Lift, Run, Perform, Breaking Three group uh, to try to break three hours in the marathon. And so that has been the journey over the past six months or so, like training hard towards that big goal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to back you up because I think a really common refrain at least that I heard really often when I was working with clients one-on-one, both as a running coach and as a dietitian was for any given reason, but specifically in these contexts was often like to try and get my period back or try and like really work on my relationship to food and movement. And I know that for me, whatever this individual's situation was like, that's going to require a step back and like taking some time off or like really dialing down on movement and running specifically. And there is so often this fear that it will be much longer than anticipated, or it's going to be very hard, or I will quote unquote, lose all my fitness. And I would imagine like some of that was coming up for you, but I'm thinking of like, let's do a sliding door moment, whatever it's called, where like you don't do the surgery because you don't want to take those six months off that actually maybe turned into 18 months of like long, hard recovery before you could really do what you wanted to do again. And you just thought like, that sounds too hard. I don't want to do that. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that position, even if in this case, like surgery was highly recommended, right? And surgery is obviously like quite an extreme, but time off, highly recommended, Can you speak a little bit to just being in that space of knowing, like, if I go this path, I will have to take quite a bit of time off of my feet. And I actually don't know what that recovery is going to look like. Yeah, I think that there was a little bit of it that was kind of decided for me. I was already off my feet. I... Mm had stopped running completely in August and didn't get an MRI until October. It got to a point where I, the on and off of, of trying to get back to a place where I was running and feeling good. I was just exhausted. (laughs) I was really sick of it. And I hated running. Every time I went out for a run, I was in pain. It was a really specific spot in my heel area that was super painful with every step I took. And I got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And I didn't want to. And I think that was the thing that made me stop in August when I did was I got to a point where I hated running. I was like, I I can do it. I can go run 10 miles right now but I really don't want to, I have no motivation. And there was a time where it was like a cycle for me of like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not motivated? Why don't I want to go train hard? I definitely had those thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And then I eventually had to like, give myself some grace and, and remind myself, like, you don't want to do this because you're in pain and it hurts. You wouldn't be doing something that is painful and there's nothing wrong with you. And it's not a lack of motivation or a lack of wanting to run hard. It's because you're in pain. So stop running. (laughs) So that's when I did. And then 
once it, it came around to surgery, my surgeon was very transparent with me of, if you don't want to run again, if you don't want to compete at a high level, if you want to maybe go out and jog a couple miles a few times a week, then I would recommend that you don't get the surgery because it is a tough recovery. Yeah. But you don't want to do that. He knew just from meeting me a few times, he's like, I don't think that that's going to work for you. So I'm recommending this surgery. I mean, it was either get the surgery and know that my timeline at the time I thought was going to be about three months, Mm. know that I was going to have about a three month timeline and that that was going to be hard, but it was going to be better than like losing (laughs) this thing that means a lot to me and is really important to me. So that's kind of what led me to making that decision. Yeah. I feel like there's so much that folks can resonate with in that because again, like it can be a really hard decision to stop doing something that means a lot to you and makes up a lot of your community and is like a big hobby and interest of yours outside of just like, this is a thing I go do. It's a thing we listen to podcasts about and a sport we watch on TV and a sport that we spectate and you know, things we do on the weekends, like it ends up being for some of us, like such a big part of our life, which then can form into part of our identity. And that's when things get a little bit tricky, (laughs) but I don't think that that's like necessarily all good or all bad. Like the surgeon recognizing in you, like this isn't what you want. You don't want a life where you can run a few miles and it's going to be a little bit painful, but that's okay. Cause you have other things you want to do. And for anyone listening who does feel that way, that's fine too. You know, <laughs> that's totally fine. But recognizing this is a thing that's really important to me. I get a lot out of it. It gives a lot back to me. There's a big part of my life that like I would be missing if I wasn't able to do it in a certain way for as long as I can. And as long as that works for my body. And so taking the time off is just sometimes what we have to do. Yeah. And I think like, it's never easy. And even having gone through that and having to take so much time off, I learned how to be really patient when I was in it. Now, looking back, I handled the whole thing a lot better than I ever could have (laughs) expected myself to, but then fast forward to where I am now. And I wrote about this in our newsletter a couple of weeks ago that I ran Houston. I ran CIM, what I was training for. It went really poorly. Uh, And so- As it sometimes does, it's fine. (laughs) And so I ran Houston and it went much better. But after Houston, I knew I really needed to focus on recovery because I had trained so hard for six months and then did pretty close together marathons, which is not Mm. something that I would normally do or recommend to people, but it, it worked for where I was. But even after the surgery and having to take so much time off and being really patient with that and and feeling okay with it, the time I had to take off after Houston was really, really challenging. And when I think about it, I think part of it's because I had been training so hard and just the juxtaposition of training so hard and then doing nothing nothing was really challenging. But I think that's like, it's just a thing that we all have to keep working on is that like rest and recovery and being patient with it and like sitting with ourselves in that discomfort and knowing that like, it's going to be okay. This too shall pass. Like we'll we'll get to the other side, but sometimes it's, it's whether it's because of a race or an injury or 
an illness, I think that's one of the hardest ones for a lot of people is like, if you're sick, it's okay. Like you can take a day off. I know I, I used to do the thing where I'm like, well, if it's like not in my chest, it's not a chest cold, I can keep running. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm I'm really tired because I'm sick. So I should just stay in bed and that's okay. Yeah. And we always have to just like challenge ourselves with that and work through it. I don't know that it ever gets like super easy. I don't think it does, but the repetitive flexing of that muscle, so to speak, like it just helps to keep putting yourself in that space where you sit with the discomfort for a little bit longer, or you can remind yourself like I've done this before and it's fine. Um, I think especially when you have kind of that big goal that you're working towards, I remember part of your training cycle last fall, you got sick and took a couple of days off maybe posted it on Instagram or something. And we're like, did I miss three workouts this week? Yes, I did. Like, does that totally derail this entire training program? No, it does not. Like it's hard to do in the moment, but when you zoom out and see the big picture, it's usually pretty humbling. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, it's just a couple workouts. Like we'll be all right. Yeah. And that's why you train if you have a big goal, like a marathon or a half marathon or a 10K or 5K. That's why you don't train for two weeks. You train for months and months because it's about the accumulation of the training and not any one workout. There's never a single workout that is going to determine like, yep, you did that workout. So you're going to hit your goal or you didn't do that workout. I mean, in the six weeks between CIM and Houston, my long runs were terrible. (laughs) I had one good long run, but I had to just keep reminding myself. I've been training since July. Like these few long runs, they aren't going to make or break me. And that's hard to remember, but yeah. I mean, they could, if you really let that get in your head, but they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how you're feeling as you ease back into movement. Like, do you feel an itch to do another like kind of big goal for yourself this year? Do you feel like you want to just kind of cruise for a little bit? Where have you landed at least in this exact moment subject to change? (laughs) So I started running again. I think this is my third week. I started with just like every other day, short, slow, easy runs. Obviously that's all relative to you and your training. But for me, that's, that's how it was. And my body did not feel it. And (laughs) I've been really tired. And I think just six months of training and two marathons is a lot to put your body through. And so I've had to definitely be patient, not really look at my watch, just kind of let it be what it is. And this week I finally started to feel a bit better in terms of big goals. I knew I had the big goal of trying to break three hours in the marathon. At first, when I was healthy again, I didn't know if I wanted to go for it right away. I thought I'll just run a marathon to run it and then train hard. But I had to take a look in the mirror and (laughs) Uh, I am not somebody who wants to just train for a marathon to train for a marathon. That's not fun to me. Um, 20 mile runs are not my favorite. I don't like them. What I do like is grinding out some hard miles or some hard mm. repeats. To me, that's fun. Yeah. I I did have between CIM and Houston, the one long run that I had that went well was the last one. And it, it went well and I was running six or seven miles at marathon pace 
And I was just grinning like a weirdo as I ran <laughs> around the park because I was like, this is so much fun. Yeah. And that's the thing that's fun to me. So once I ran Houston and got pretty close to that goal, I mean, I have more of a fire to reach that goal than I ever have. Yeah. And so I'll probably go for that again in the fall. In the meantime, I definitely want to run a half marathon. I think half marathons are the most fun distance. Even yeah. though I'm going for this marathon goal, I think the half marathon is just like the perfect distance and it's so fun. So yeah. I want to get back to that the this spring sometime, just haven't made a decision yet. But yeah, definitely in the fall, I think I'll I'll try to chase that goal again. Okay, it's on the radar. <laughs> Just for folks who are new here, I feel like folks who have listened or like followed for a long time know this, but for folks who are new, I am not training for a sub three marathon. I haven't done a marathon in many, many years. I have three kids. My life is very different. Like just if you need some like balance to this, you know, like it's okay if you don't want to run a marathon this year or ever, it doesn't matter. That's fine. We'll talk more about that some other time. All right. I just wanted to kind of bring people back in, give some insight into what we've been doing and how it's been going. And we have a survey out right now to our community about like who you are and what you're looking for from lane nine and how you think about this space and what it means to you. So that can help us navigate a few of our next steps. But I think there's a lot to be said for coming into a space where you like have a knowing that this isn't where we're going to talk about diets or race weights or how to like, you know, sacrifice it all for the sake of a goal. Like we both have done a lot of work to get to where we are, which is not to say that like we've done it perfectly or that we have all the answers, but I appreciate you, Alexis, just sharing more about kind of a pretty long path to navigate, to get to that point where you went for a goal that's been on your mind for years and had to like take steps way, way, way back in order for that to actually feel good for you. And I think that's a lot more relatable than someone being like, well, I just wanted to go train for a sub three marathon. So I did. And then I like crossed the finish line in 259. <laughs> like, yeah, those people nice. exist. Yeah. Those people exist. Like we love that for them, but that's not how it works for that's most of us. <laughs> Some people run their debut marathon and qualify for the Olympic team. And just like win the whole thing. We are not those <laughs> yeah. yeah, kudos Fiona, you're doing great. All right, well, we will put a few links in the show notes. So a link to that survey if you're in our community and if you're listening, that means you're in our community to some extent and we'd love to hear from you. We're on Instagram at lane9project. Our email is lane9project at gmail.com. Don't hesitate to get in touch and we'll be sharing a lot more soon. So thanks for being here. Yay, thank you.